Every three years, the church gives us these longer readings from the Gospel of John on the third, fourth, and and fifth Sunday of Lent. Last week, we read that beautiful story of the, the woman at the well, and today we get this gospel about this man born blind who then Jesus restores his sight. Now, this cycle of readings, the, the three readings, uh, last week, this week, and then and the next week, we'll read about the raising of Lazarus from the dead. They're always meant to point us forward towards baptism. And so ordinarily, we would have those who are preparing for baptism with us here today for the, the second scrutiny, as it's called. Last week, we, we saw the image of water and the woman at the well prefiguring baptism. Today, we get this image of going from blindness to sight, also as an image of baptism. Baptism is often referred to as enlightenment. In fact, we would, if they were here today, pray over our catechumens that they would be delivered from darkness and the realm of Satan and be enlightened through the gift of their baptism and the ongoing purification of sins that baptism will ultimately bring about in a definitive way. So ordinarily, I would preach a lot about our catechumens and the RCIA and preparation for baptism and uh, this beautiful story in our gospel. But I'd like to focus a little bit today uh, on maybe what is not as typical, and that is in our first reading, the story of the anointing of David as king. After all, these are strange times. Nothing is very ordinary in the church right now. And I, I find that the, the first reading hit me as I was praying over it, this story of King David. Now, of course, he's not King David yet in uh, the, the reading uh, from Samuel today. Rather, this is the, the time when David receives his call, his being chosen by God. And I think it's very important for us where we find ourselves right now, especially to all of you listening from home who find yourself to in rather surprising situation. You probably didn't plan that you would be stuck in your home having to, to celebrate this Sunday on your own, uh, in your own little domestic church, as we often refer to it. So many times I think those words have just been kind of thrown away that, oh yes, the, the family is in fact the domestic church. Like, well, sure, whatever that means. Well, let's look at the call of, of David then today and what that really meant. Notice that Samuel is sent to the house of Jesse. So he knows that the king of Israel is going to be chosen from Jesse's sons. Now remember that this is the, the second attempt at having a king. They, of course, prayed for a king, and, and God pointed to Samuel the first time and said, Saul, he's the one, anoint him. And, and so they did. And of course, Saul did not work out well. He was chosen by God, but he did not live up to his calling. So God sends Samuel to anoint someone else to be king. And he's revealed that it's one of Jesse's sons. And of course, we know the end of the story. So we know that it will be David and from David's line will eventually come Jesus, the Messiah, and God is going to work powerful things through the house of Jesse. We remember back at Christmas, we talked about the, uh, the Jesse tree, the stump of Jesse. 
Well, here we, we pick back up the, the story, and so we know that one of Jesse's sons will be king, but Samuel knows that too, and he goes to Jesse, and he says, okay, call your, your sons together. And so Jesse brings together his sons, and you know, Samuel goes and he, he sees the, the first of Jesse's sons, and he thinks, well, this, this has got to be it. This is uh, an incredible-looking young man. He's powerful, and it looks like that's, that's got to be him. But the, the Lord says, no, that's not him. And so Samuel's all right. Uh, it's it's got to be this, this next son. It's not him either. And he keeps going, and he goes down the row of all of Jesse's sons, and, and God says, nope, none of those. Like, well, what is going on here? And, and here is where I, I think just some of the, mo- the most beautiful line in this, this whole passage comes out. Not as man sees does God see. Because man sees the appearance, but the Lord looks into the heart. Now, there's a great connection with our gospel reading today and the whole image we have today of those who see and those who don't see. Those who see and those who are blind, as it's pointed out to us. Notice that God is not blind in the same way that men are. Not as man sees does God see. And so we see in our gospel that Jesus is talking to the scribes and Pharisees, and he says, you are thinking that you're seeing. (laughs) Would that you were blind. Because if you were blind, then you would really have sight. So there's this flipping around of the idea of who can see and, and who can't see. Who's really blind and who sees? Well, God sees. And notice how men are blind and that they look at the appearance. And Samuel was, was guilty of this at the beginning. He's like, ah, this, this one, this must be the king. God says, no, not him. And so he goes down the, the entire line. Not him, not him, not him. And finally, that, that's all the sons that Jesse brought. And so Samuel's like, okay, this is strange. I, I'm sent here and I, I know one of the sons of Jesse is supposed to be king, but this is all of them? He's like, Jesse, is this, is this all your sons? Well, I mean, there is one more. Well, of course we know, and, and Samuel knows at this point, well, that's got to be the one. He's the only son left, so we're not going to start without him, so go and call him. And so he calls David, and Jesse didn't even think to, you know, invite him to, to this. And so David is busy tending the sheep, which is, is not a, a lofty thing at all. And David comes, and beautifully, it, it says, ah, this is the one. God's, God says, anoint him. This is the one. And so imagine the, the shock amongst all of, of Jesse's other sons, David's brothers, and Jesse himself, uh, when, when Samuel takes his horn of oil and pours it all over the top of David's head so that the, the oil would, would run down. This, again, is a great prefigurement of baptism because this is what happens in our baptism. The Holy Spirit pours down upon us. That's why the, the sacred chrism is poured on top of the head of someone who has been baptized. Originally, this was the sacrament of confirmation. 
we've, we've separated now baptism from confirmation, but still at baptism even of, of an infant, we, we pour the sacred chrism on top of the, the child's head to, to signify what it says in our reading today. It says, from that day on, the spirit of the Lord rushed upon David. I love that, that image of the word rushing upon. We hear that, that same kind of language on Pentecost, don't we? When it says that the, the Holy Spirit appeared like a strong driving wind in tongues of fire. This is what happens at our baptism. And that, that's why when I get a chance to, to baptize a little baby and I'm, I'm thinking of, you know, all the, the children that I've baptized, you know, it, it says that the, the crown of the head is anointed with the sacred chrism. Well, I, I do exactly, uh, I try anyway to do what, what Samuel did with David. I take, I take the whole pitcher of chrism and I, I dump it on, on top of the, the head of the little child. So it, sometimes it, it does end up running down all over and I smear that oil all over their head. Well, that's because we're, we're not meant to see just a, a little sign of the cross on top of the head like some little sign. No, it's, we're meant to see in baptism exactly what happens here with King David. Samuel takes his horn of oil, dumps it on his head, and anoints him king. Now, here, here I think is the great kind of tie-in for where we're at right now with our little domestic churches. And as you gather around, maybe you've, you've made little prayer corners in your home or, or little altars. It was beautiful to see today people posting on the internet their, their home altars where they're celebrating. Here's the thing. You might be thinking... I mean, who, who am I to, to lead some kind of celebration at home? I mean, we, we go to church and the priest does his thing. And it's nice because the, the priest preaches and the priest celebrates the mass and, and we kind of sit there and watch. Well, not, not anymore. And this is where I think, although it's a, it's a great sadness that we can't gather in our churches. I'm not minimizing that for a minute. And the great sacrifice to not to be able to receive the Eucharist. Let's pray that this does, does not go on very long. But... But here's the great opportunity. Every one of you who has been baptized has experienced exactly what King David did in the reading today. You perhaps right now are thinking, who am I? I mean, I didn't, I didn't wish for this. Why am I, you know, especially like a father of a family? You're having to lead at home uh, some kind of religious service, a prayer. I hope you're taking the readings, whatever. But that's your role from your baptism. In your baptism, you were anointed priest, prophet, and king. And it's so many times that language is just throwaway. Sure, sure, we, we share in Jesus' mission of priest, prophet, and king. All right. Well, now that the ministerial priesthood is kind of isolated and taken away, most people do not have access to the ministerial priesthood of Father Mark or Father Sean or Father Michael right now. But you do have now a call to exercise the priesthood given you in baptism. You were anointed a priest. Priests offer sacrifice, okay? You in your home right now, priest of God, and that certainly that means the fathers of families right now in a special way, but even the mothers, the children, you're all priests through your baptism. You're also all prophets, especially at this time, I think, where there's 
so many people, so many voices clamoring all over the place. Listen to me. Here's what you need to know about coronavirus. Listen to me. Here's what you need to know to be safe. Or listen to me. Everybody needs to, to panic. Or listen to me. Everybody needs to calm down. So many voices. What does a prophet do? A prophet speaks to the world amidst all that cacophony, and a prophet says, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord. So we as baptized prophets then, I think, have got to hear the voice of God. The one that says, like the prophet Samuel, I, no, not this one, <laughs> not, not the, the blabbering idiots on the news, not them. Well, well what, about, what, about, what about Facebook? No, not that one. What, what, what about Twitter? I, I mean, there's a doctor on Twitter, right? No, not that one. All over and over, not that one, not that one, not that one. Who do we listen to then? Well, we've got to hear the voice of God. And I'm not saying don't listen to experts. There are plenty of experts, and the problem today is so many people think they're an expert, and even the experts sometimes don't really know. But all right, let's, let's find good information about health and do the things we're supposed to do. But ultimately, a good prophet at this time is needed more than ever. A good prophet needs to be able to say amidst all this, Okay, but hear the voice of the Lord. Where do we find peace? Where is the unexpected voice of God? Where can we even say that this is a, an opportunity as much as it is a great suffering? Okay, that's, that's what a prophet does. You might, well, who am I to speak for God? You're anointed. It's your baptism. You're a prophet. You had oil poured all over your head, like a priest, like a prophet, and finally like a king. You get to govern your little domestic church now. You get to order your life towards God. And when the ministerial priesthood kingship is taken away, how will you order your life as a king, a good ruler over your little domestic family? All these things are so necessary right now. You know, I, I think that, you know, what, what happens if the, the priests are taken away? All right, well, we, we miss being with our priest and... You know, you're, you're listening to this homily on the internet right now, and praise God for that. But more than that, more than watching Mass online or listening to homilies online, how will you exercise the authority given you in baptism to live the faith in your own private home? It's a, it's a big task, and one that we don't often exercise. Sometimes the, the charisms that we've been given by God, the gifts of the Spirit, we never use until there's some crisis or something that calls us to say we've got to use it. Well, here it is. If you're waiting for an invitation from God to say you've got to be a priest, a prophet, and a king, well, this is it because Father's not there to do it. You've got to do it. And maybe if you think, well, I, I don't know what to do. I can't see it. Good. That's the whole message of this week. And if you think you're blind, if you think you can't do it, if you think that seeing, that being a priest, speaking for God like a prophet, being a king, that you can't do that, good. That's exactly where you need to be. Because the scribes and Pharisees thought they had all that. They thought they were just everything they needed. And Jesus says, no, you're not seeing right. So hear those, those words again from the prophet Samuel speaking now God's voice. Anoint him, for this is the one. God says those exact words to you today. You are 
the one. There's nobody else. It's you. You've had the holy oil dumped on your head at your baptism, sealed again at confirmation with the same sacred chrism. And God says, okay, you think you can't see? Ah, you see, because not as man sees does God see. Man sees the appearance, but the Lord looks into the heart. Give thanks today that God chooses you. He sees your heart. So he'll know if, if you want to serve him, if you love him, you want to make him present in your home. God sees that. And now is the day to exercise the authority, the power given you in your baptism. When through the priest who baptized you, God said, there, anoint him, anoint her. For this is the one. Today, that's you. You're the one.